What's going on, guys? Duke Basketball Corner Podcast back again. I am your host, Adam Camaro, as always. And this is going to be a different type of episode with the NCAA tournament, March Madness going on. I'll give you the in-depth Duke pod that you're looking for. For anyone else who's not even a Duke fan, I'm going to go way into that. Tons of depth, tons of contacts, but... It's not March if it's not just kind of having fun looking at some brackets going over, just going over some crazy narratives. Basically, everything I don't do during the season with Duke, I think, is just really fun and cool to do with the bracket before the tourney starts. Because let's be honest, nobody knows what the heck is going to happen. So let's just have fun with it. And I have given the invite. On the pod, I gave it uh, two episodes ago and uh, last episode for just anyone who wants to come on maybe for a segment or longer if uh, the uh, chemistry is right. And I have Jordan Livingston. He reached out to me. It's that easy for anyone who is interested. And he's going to he's going to help me go over some of the storylines about this bracket, especially focusing on the East and just kind of. How we feel about different players, different teams. It'll just be uh, it'll be a good time with obviously extra focus paid to Duke's possible path and the teams they might be facing. But first of all, let me just introduce Jordan. Thanks so much for joining me. If you're willing, just uh, maybe give a couple uh, words about yourself and your Duke fanhood. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Adam. Uh, I really look forward to us talking about the tournament. Everybody's really excited, including myself. Um, yeah, I reached out to you because I've done some writing before on a blog site that really didn't go anywhere. Um, so I stopped writing, but I've always had a passion for the game, especially Duke basketball. Being from North Carolina, I was raised a Duke fan, always will be a Duke fan. My kids will be Duke fans. And uh, what's really, I guess, been a passion of mine is learning about uh, Duke basketball beyond the basic narratives that get shoved down our throats by ESPN. And uh, that's how I came to know about you and your podcast, uh, trying to be more educated about Duke basketball. Um, so I'm excited to talk ball. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Hill to Leitner. That's a good name. Um, so yeah. uh, how awkward would it be if, uh, let's say your kids, um, say, uh, let's say you have a boy. He's, maybe 12 years old, just getting into the game. He's like, Daddy, I like North Carolina. What, what, what would your reaction be? Well, I can't even fathom having a kid <laughs> right now, Adam. But if even if that was, that's my worst nightmare. I can guarantee you I would have failed as a father. Daddy, my, my favorite player is Tyler Hansbro. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to have to call up G and uh, t- talk some sense into them. You know what the crazy thing is? They actually, they did a podcast together. I don't even think many people. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was like really short. It only went for like a couple months. I don't even think I ever listened to an episode, but it was just the most random thing. I couldn't believe it was happening. I told uh, one person who's a Duke uh, for, uh, fan, and they almost like fainted. It's kind of funny how that, I don't even know <laughs> how that ended up together. I guess, you know, as players, you know, they, they get old and get over stuff. Um, I know those guys hated each other. I mean, I hated that team. I hated Tyler Hansberg just because he was so good as soon as he came to Carolina. And uh, it was hilarious. Have you ever seen the video of him trying to read Chicken Little to some kids? No. Uh, you need to look that up on YouTube. It Basically, uh, if you want to learn more about kind of the 
academic scandal with uh, UNC. That's all you need to watch. Ooh, ooh, we're already stepping into those boundaries. All right, so <laughs> so the bracket came out, and is there anything that immediately uh, – I guess we'll start out um, – any quick thing non-Duke related that caught your eye in terms of maybe teams that got in, where like location, anything bracketology related, I guess? Yeah, it was three things for me. It was one, NC State not even being in the first four out. I don't necessarily know how I feel about that, but uh, I know that a lot of NC State fans are upset. They, you know, Belmont was in. Um, which you know, I, I, I'm glad they're in necessarily, but um, you know their best win was Lipscomb, which you know Lipscomb's a good team. They're playing in NIT. We'll see how NC State and Lipscomb you know play against each other possibly uh, this next game. Um, but it's interesting to me because I think a lot of their fans thought that they were probably going to be in, and they weren't even one of the first four out. Yeah, I mean I was actually. Uh, we couldn't quite work out our schedule, but Lauren Brownlow, ACC reporter, uh, mm-hmm. I was going to have her on. And <laughs> she takes more crap from NC State fans than I've ever seen in my life. Like, she is like the go-to on Twitter for NC State fans just to go <laughs> ballistic at. And I she, I don't know how she stays sane, but uh, she handles it uh, amazing. I just wanted to have her on, basically just to ask her NC State questions, because it's it's really – I mean, that's a t- that's like popcorn stuff right there. Just watching Lauren deal with NC State fans. And I'm not mocking anyone. I, I just, I think, I don't make, I don't think it's a big deal. Because look, NC State has countless opportunities to earn ACC victories. If they don't play non-conference, that's their, if they don't play a hard non-conference schedule, that's their deal. But these not, but the, the mid-majors, they don't have opportunities. They're, they're trying to play up. So if NC State refuses to do that, I don't know all the details. I just think I, I've mocked before in terms of everyone every year says it's the worst bubble ever. This year, it was horrible. So if, yeah. if you're one of those final teams, man, I don't know. And you can say, oh, it's just, I'm a Duke fan. I know they're always going to get in. Well, as, as crazy as most people would find this to be, I grew up in Maryland. Maryland is my second team. So, uh, yeah, I caught a lot of stuff growing up about that. But, yeah, Maryland <laughs> lives on the bubble. They are always on the bubble. And you know what? If they make it, fine. If they don't, I understand. So I just think if you're that close and you're a high major, I mean, you look at the schedule, you look you played, and you see how many opportunities. And if, and if you're like, oh, but this team, if you're comparing yourself to, like, one of those final teams, chances are just you should have just – won a couple more games and then taking that weight off or just not scored 24 points versus Virginia Tech. Yeah, I definitely think that that's, that's the point here. And I think Kevin Keats even came out and said that it's, it's their fault. You know, they should have won more games. Um, but, but I do see the strength of schedule argument, even though they played um, some pretty crappy teams early on in the season I and mean, their non-conference string of schedule was absolutely horrid. They still play in the ACC. So their strength of schedule is going to be, pretty tough. They don't necessarily need to schedule those non-conference difficult games. Um, but regardless, I don't mean, I wouldn't really see them going far in the tournament. Um, you know, even if they were in, just thought it was pretty surprising that um, they weren't even mentioned in the show at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as you just said, 
I don't think they would go far, but who knows? I mean, like Syracuse, they were yeah. in the uh, first four, and they, they got in all those zone. I think ha- teams not having long to prepare for the zone can help there. I mean, who knows? You, you never know. I mean, these one-game elimination, a single-game elimination, six rounds, you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, these are 18- to 22-year-olds. Somebody, they, uh, they get in a fight with their girlfriend. They get mad. They might have a crappy game. You just never know. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it, let's say NC State did get in. They advanced to the Elite Eight. Does that mean they deserved it? I don't know. I mean, I, I remember like way back, like five years ago, UCLA, they, there's no way. Everything about their record and schedule and everything said they didn't deserve to be in. But they did get in, and they got to the Sweet 16. So people were saying, see, I told you they deserved it. That doesn't mean anything. Right. It's what you yeah. did during the season. Like, the result of the tournament isn't a – referendum or whatever on whether you got in. So I don't know. I just, I'm not a big bracketology guy and it's not, again, not because of anything Duke related. It's just, there's plenty of opportunities for high major teams to get in. Yeah. And some of the other storylines, I mean, really, I think we've all heard Michigan state and Michigan, uh, you know, kind of sucks for, for Duke at the one of the best, probably the best, two seed is in the number one overall seeds region. And uh, I think Michigan state beat Michigan three times to win the, the big 10 championship. And uh, apparently that's their reward is having to play against Duke. But apparently according to the NCAA, it's all about location. And so because uh, Michigan state had a higher seed they were given the closer location, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I mean, ultimately, you know, who knows about, you know, if the the whole quotation amateurism kind of thing in it. But I think for colleges, you want to be in the closer uh, stadium, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's the same kind of thing for me. I mean, how how what are the percentages that they're they're going to meet in the lead eight? I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, Duke, they were, they were uh, one seeds, I think, like nine out of ten years. Something like 1998 to 2006. I, and they obviously won it all. In 2001 and 2004, they got to the Final Four. In 99, they got to the championship. I think every other year, they lost in the Sweet 16. So that was like three out of uh, nine years or something that they made it to the Elite Eight. I mean, you just never know. So I think when it's that far in advance, I understand what you mean. But, hey, how come I didn't hear all this? Maybe, I don't know, maybe I was tone deaf at the time. And once it occurred, once the result happened, yes. But beforehand, how much did you hear about Duke, South Carolina, playing Mm -hmm. in South Carolina's backyard? I, I didn't. I was like... I mean, this is like such a douche move. I'll name drop. I was I was uh, talking to Mike DeCourcy on DM, and he was like, "Oh, it's no people were making a big deal." I'm like, "Only when the result happened." And he's like, "No, all the time." I'm like, "I I don't know. I didn't see it." So I think it's very interesting how people Michigan still don't make a big deal about. It, I don't think because Duke's supposed to be the team that gets the cakewalk each year. You know, that's the narrative, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, that really plays. I heard a lot of Tennessee fans, uh, you know, crying about that because they're in their second round matchup. They might have to play Cincinnati in Columbus, Ohio. 
There you go. That that should be the bigger deal than Michigan State, in my opinion. That should be a much bigger. I did not realize that. That's way more. That's a much bigger deal. See, I don't. I don't mean. Uh, I, I think it's uh, a bigger deal when the lower seated team, and this I'm I'm talking about um, Cincinnati, is the in a, a home kind of environment, which it won't be. Um, but unless when it's the, the higher seated team kind of having a little bit of an edge because ultimately, you know, the higher team, higher seated team should advance. Um, and so similarities between that potential situation and Duke, South Carolina, but I mean, there's a lot of arguments to it. I mean, Tennessee got a two seed. They could have had a one seed if they would have won in Nashville, which is virtually a home game if they would have won the SEC championship. So I think it's just ultimately you're going to have to win those games. And, you know, I felt bad when Duke, you know, kind of got dominated by South Carolina that year in South Carolina. But, you know, a lot of those fans were North Carolina fans just rooting against Duke too. So was that, uh, you said you had three, was that three or was that two? Yeah, that was really all that I saw on kind of seeds and any kind of debate regarding who's in and where they're playing. Did you see anything else? Um, well, I will say with uh, with Duke with in South Carolina. I mean, when I first saw South Carolina, they kind of brought back nightmares. But obviously, it is not the same uh, place. I'm trying trying to find where exactly I have it uh, written. It is uh, it's Columbia instead of I think it's Greenville is where they played uh, 2017, and so that's 90 minutes away and. Uh, it's also 90 minutes away from where Zion is, or is from. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's going to be an issue getting... They're uh, not playing Wofford, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be an issue having people w- wondering whether people are going to uh, be rooting for Duke or against Duke because Zion is going to bring his own circus. So uh, and now that he's back in, not his hometown, but his home state, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be Zion Fest. I don't. I don't. Wanna, I, I think a bold statement. I don't think people are going to be coming to watch Virginia. Good. Yeah. But and if anyway, Virginia is playing the same place. Just. I don't want to deviate, uh, but did you see the North Carolina fan in uh, Charlotte when Zion did a, a dunk and it was the, the guy was like right under the basket and he was like he jumped up with like both hands and like celebrating Zion's dunk and it wasn't against it wasn't against Carolina I think it was against Florida State maybe um, but it was, I, I, I it did was not pretty see funny that. yeah I, I think mean, it sums up a lot yeah Zion can bring out the kid in all of us I mean just he does he does some wild stuff and uh it's uh it's funny because I mean you saw you watched his highlights in or I watched his highlights when he was in high school, and I was just like, oh, this is another dunk kind of random mixtape type of thing. And he's just such a much better basketball player, smarter basketball player. I've gone over this at length, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he's so much more than a dunker. So I think uh, Duke fans should know how lucky they are to have him at uh, play play for the Blue Devils for a year, even if it's. Just one? Well, it will be just one. Um, yeah, we should appreciate the time we have. And in terms of anything else, I, I Lave, Lavelle Moten, let's start out with him. He said uh, before the turn, before the selection show, he said some coaches will say we'll take on anyone, we'll be ready. But I don't want any part of playing Duke. 
us playing against Zion would be like my six-year-old son playing against me. So what do they do? If he wins the he, – he's in a playing game to against uh, North Dakota State, the winner gets Duke. That is just cruel. I, I don't know how they could do that with him. At the same time, I shouldn't be laughing, but I am. Yeah, uh, Durham on Durham, right? Yeah, so uh, other, other stuff. I mean, there, there, it's interesting because there's – Obviously, everyone's going to love to find the storylines, and sometimes it's easy to think, oh, they make these storylines on purpose. Sometimes it could be random. There is the uh, Mike Krzyzewski, Johnny Dawkins potential showdown in the second round if UCF wins, and everyone knows how much Coach K does not like to face his former players and former uh, assistant coaches. He avoids that as much as possible. So that would be interesting. There's also some revenge games. I had spoken about that before in terms of possible revenge games. And so we're going to get uh, potential second round VCU. That was when Duke was in a rebuild. 2007, Eric Maynard hit a game winner against Duke. 11 over 6 upset. There is uh, Louisville. That's who Duke lost to in 2013. I mentioned that. I was like, oh, no, they beat them during the regular season. I'm just talking about the NCAA tournament. And that is a that game. That was rough, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a game many remember for uh, Kevin Ware. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look it up. It's not fun. Um, and uh, then LSU. Uh, Lou- oh, Louisville would be Elite Eight. LSU would also be Elite Eight. They uh, they ended with, uh, was it Big Baby Davis? They had... Uh, Tyron Thomas, something Thomas. Ty- yeah, um, Tyrus. Tyrus Thomas. And then my boy, oh, this is going to kill me because I'm a, uh, a Wizards fan, a very depressed Wizards fan all the time. But I am a Wizards fan. They had, I think he plays for the Kings now. Uh, I don't know, but they, he guarded J.J. Raddick in just incredible length and um, really made it tough on Raddick. So he ended Raddick's career, Sheldon Williams, Sean Dockery, and Lee Malchione. So it would be nice to get some revenge there. And then there is the regular season, Virginia Tech, um, which they didn't have Justin Robinson. Duke didn't have Zion. And it is, was that like the third straight loss in Blacksburg, I I believe? Um, I know it was, I think uh, Duke won in overtime in 2015, didn't play in 16, lost in 17. uh, Yeah, I thought it was something like three out of four years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, they really, they have Duke's number there. So it would be nice to kind of, see both teams at full strength because right now there isn't too many teams that Duke is actually, they're on a losing streak against um, NCAA tournament or regular season. Virginia Tech is one of them. Actually, I think uh, Arizona, um, the Duke's lost uh, like two in a row. Coach K has a losing record versus Sean Miller. There's also uh, three straight against Kansas, but there's not too many going on right now. I think that's pretty much the basic narratives that are going on there. If you're looking at the East region, it's funny because right before I was saying, you got to feel confident about Duke versus any team. But I, I, I gave a list of teams. It's just, it wouldn't be optimal matchups. And they were all defense first, slow, grinding teams. And then basically they're all just stuck in Duke's bracket. So again, I don't, I don't I'm not saying that they're going to beat Duke. I'm, I just, it's not going to be beautiful basketball and, and it, we're going to need Duke to basically speed up every team, which is another thing that Zion allowed them to do that when they didn't have Zion, they really struggled with. If you look at the tempo with and without Zion it, against their opponent, it, 
it really shows. So that is something we can feel confident about them being able to speed up teams because, I mean, VCU is not a slow team, but uh, here we go. Let me, let me bring up. All right. Uh, but UCF, slow. Defense first. Mississippi State, kind of, they, I would say they are in the middle ground of that where Quindori Weatherspoon, he, he can shoot the lights out. Everything they do well on off- on defense, they don't do well on offense, though. Like, they do, they, yeah. uh, they offensive rebound well, but they give up offensive rebounds. They uh, turn you over, but then they, they, um, you can turn them over. And, I mean, those two things, if you give up offensive rebounds and you turn the ball over, I don't care what you do on offense. Duke is just going to eat you alive. So I would rather see them than Liberty, a.k.a. Virginia Light. Like, I'm not, I'm not having I'm not having any any Liberty. And that's not – maybe it's an insult. It's not – no, it's not. I th- who are they coached by? Do you know who they're coached by? I think it's like an ex-Tony Bennett assistant. I don't. I don't know who Liberty's coached by. I don't have like, any notes on Liberty's team at all. Um, uh, all you should know is that Seth Curry wanted no part of them anymore. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, I mean, with them, they really are Virginia Light. I mean, they are just oh, very, very slow. Very slow pack line. And Duke versus the pack line, they obviously found a way against Virginia with just a ridiculous shooting game, the second one, which is just, you can't expect that. And the first one, it was just basically Zion and RJ just busting in and just being simply better athletes. Just kind of, I've never seen a team not be able to beat the pack line, but individuals beat the pack line like they did. And they hit a bunch of mid-ranges that game. So mid-range is like the analytics guy's nightmare, and they were on fire from mid-range, so that's another one you can't expect. And it was just two games where Virginia played well enough to beat 99% of teams, but just not Duke. So, honestly, I was almost as impressed by Virginia as I was by Duke in those games just because Duke played so well, and they played so out of their element. But, uh, yeah, so basically, and then Louisville, until they basically wet themselves when Duke started with the zone press, they used the they used the pack line. That's something we're going to see a lot from uh, Chris Mack. He used that a lot at Xavier and Duke. They they do struggle against the pack line um, at times. So yeah, that's something to keep in mind when uh, when they play Liberty. If they play Liberty, and if Liberty beats Mississippi State, that would be a 12-5 upset. If anyone's looking for it, because hey, if you're a team that hasn't faced that type of slow pack line team, it's it's like facing Cuse for the first time. It's just not something you you would expect. Let's see, um, is is there any games that uh, you want to focus on from Duke's top half of the East to start out with? I kind of already went into uh, Mississippi yeah. State, Liberty, but any anything else, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't actually think that Liberty is going to have much of a chance against Mississippi State. I think just Mississippi State State got some athleticism and some size that Liberty is not going to really be able to do much with. I'm not really confident in Mississippi State, but uh, Liberty, I don't think it's going to be able to hang. But, I mean, I would love to, to face Liberty because we've got, you know, Virginia Tech looming down there. I actually think that this is where the East region is one of the more harder roads for Duke just because I, I don't remember the exact stat, but I think I heard it when I was watching ESPN that, there's only been like one other time in the last 20 years where a one seed has had to face a team that they've gotten beaten by in the regular season. 
in the Sweet 16 or earlier. So although I'm not necessarily scared about the bottom half of the East, the top half, I mean, Virginia Tech, we don't know know, what Justin Robinson, what he's going to be at. Um, You know, if he had not gotten injured, they may be a two or three seed. We don't know if he's going to necessarily be healthy or not um, and how he's going to fit back in. Uh, I don't know how confident they are bringing him back. He's certainly um, a ball-dominant kind of player. You know, we've seen ball-dominant players come back just for the tournament, and if that messes with the rhythm of the or the flow of the offense, I'm not sure. Um, but I do think that they'll be able to get um, past St. Louis in the first game. I know that St. Louis has this – Hassan French guy. I haven't watched any St. Louis this year, but I hear he's a real stud. Although the team um, should get beaten uh, pretty handily by Virginia Tech. So I think out of the top half, I'm more scared of Virginia Tech than anybody just because, hey, Virginia Tech's beaten us. Buzz Williams is a really good coach. Um, but, you know, and if they're, if they've gotten a Sweet 16, that means Justin Robinson's gotten some more. Uh, time to, to heal and, and get back in the, in the flow of the offense. So that would be a really good game. Yeah, I mean, their their offense was t- completely based around Justin Robinson in terms of using him in ball screens and spreading everyone out with shooters. And they uh, they changed everything up once he was gone. And uh, they, they were still obviously successful, but he adds a, a totally different dimension. So after not having him for as long as... They haven't had him. Now, all of a sudden, Blackshear, who's been, I've called him almost a Wendell Carter light. He obviously doesn't have that whole strength of Carter, but he's just so versatile, so smart. He reminded me a lot of Wendell Carter's game. Alexander Walker, he might benefit more from Robinson, but I think you bring up a good point in terms of just not having him, how's that chemistry. The same thing is like, I wonder about like Killian Tilly for uh, Gonzaga, Dean Wade for Kansas State. Um, and Bolden, that's why, obviously, he's not as high usage as the others, but I'd like mm-hmm. to ha- him to get some early minutes. I mean, obviously, I'm not comparing Bolden to someone like Kyrie Irving, who came back in the chemistry through no fault of his own. It was just disrupted because of roles. I mean, so it's going to be interesting. Even a guy like Leaky Black for North Carolina, he is a defensive specialist. They haven't had him, him in a while, but UNC, their roles are are very specified right now in the rotations. Uh, Roy's actually, he typically goes with a uh, pretty big rotation. He's he's shortened that up more than uh, typical this year. So it'll be interesting to see if they use him along with Sterling Manley, who just came back. So I always do find it interesting when guys come back right before or uh, for the NCAA tournament. That's why it was so nice for Zion to get a couple games to get his legs under him. Although now seeing how he was ready from the get-go, I don't think it would have made a difference. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, so uh, an interesting um, stat for the East. Five of the top ten three-point defenses in the tournament are in the East. There is a VCU at number four, Minnesota number six, uh, uh, North Carolina Central number seven, Duke number nine, and Belmont number ten. Also seven of the ten worst three-point shooting teams in the tourney, or in the East. 
including Very the bottom four. Yeah, so Temple, number 59. I, I mean, as most people know, there's 68 teams. Temple, 59. LSU, <laughs> 62. Minnesota, 63. North Carolina Central, 65. St. Louis, 66. Virginia Commonwealth, 67. And you, your own Duke Blue Devils, the worst three-point shooting team in the entire field, all the way back at number 68. And you had mentioned uh, St. Louis. St. Louis, man, they are just... They they are they're very they're they're so bad at shooting it's pretty impressive. Uh, if you look at let's see here let, let, let me find St. Louis. Um, here their effective field uh, there's 353 teams in the country. Effective field goal percentage 322. Two point field goal percentage 285. Three point field goal percentage 327. And free throw not the worst but they are 352 second worst. So basically guys I don't think St. Louis shoots the ball very well. That's uh, my that's my big takeaway from St. Louis hot right take. there. Uh, I know it's a burning hot take when you when it's just oh my god those stats are so horrific. So you got and I haven't even we haven't even gotten into Central Florida who they also can't shoot the ball and it's just I mean there are some ugly ugly slow teams in this in this uh, region of Dukes. So uh, do you do you wanna? Kind of start out with uh, Central Florida, or, or let me go first. Whatever, whatever works best. Yeah, I'll, I'll put some notes on Central Florida. I'm really excited about this game. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close. Although I do feel confident that UCF is going to win. VCU opened up as uh, the favorite in this, but it's shifted over to UCF, and I think that has to do with Marcus Evans. Um, I, they are thinking he'll be ready, but um, I think he's their best player, right? And they, he for sure won't be 100%. So um, I think that UCF is really going to let them shoot threes, but VCU is not a good shooting uh, three-point shooting team either. So um, they've got that taco fall guy, seven foot six. He stops everything in the paint. I don't think that um, VCU is really going to be effective down there. So I really think that although these teams are – are very even. I mean, they're the eight, nine seeds for a reason. I do think that UCF is going to be playing Duke in the second round. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, Johnny Dawkins, Coach K, round two, right? Yeah, I mean, Coach K definitely isn't excited, but uh, that doesn't mean fans can't be excited. So uh, I talked about uh, Mississippi State. Basically, everything they do well on offense, they it's the opposite on defense. VCU, same exact thing exact same thing they they can't shoot at all like at all and i mean they're three i mean i think i said they were the second worst team uh just in front of duke in three-point percentage i mean they're they're 330 in three-point percentage shooting they are ranked uh three in three-point defense they actually they do shoot two-point percentage well not elite like duke um but they do shoot well it's kind of it is kind of duke related that they are 204 and three and free throw percentage. They're 330. This is the ranking in three point percentage and 52 in two point percentage. Duke, their two point percentage is like number four or something. So they are elite because once Zion and RJ get going downhill, nobody's going to be able to stop them. But VCU is like that. But VCU, they turn it over a ton, and that's that's uh again when you when you when you're talking about Duke, if you turn it over a ton, you're dead. You're dead meat right away. And uh, offensive rebounding, they give up a lot. So it's the same exact issues I was talking about with Mississippi State. 
that VCU might face. So that's why I would much rather face VCU than Central Florida. Like, much, much rather face I don't them. know, man. I want to see Zion dunk on Taco. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess for that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying what would be a better matchup. And, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, so, so UCF, first of all, I want to say Aubrey Dawkins would not he – was, he wasn't able to play with his dad when his dad coached uh, – or play under his dad when his dad coached at Stanford. So it's really cool that he transferred from Michigan, and he's making a huge impact on the on uh, on their team. So that's really cool to see his his big impact and playing for his dad. And just you, I, I think that's just the type of thing you don't you don't want to take for granted. Just how cool it is when guys can get to play for under their father. Um, so UCF, their two point uh, field goal defense which is Duke's strength, that, as you said, that will be the interesting um, kind of dichotomy if Duke does play them. Because I do think that even though uh, Christ Kamaji gets in foul trouble like 30 seconds in every game for Florida State, it's still not a total shock to face a guy who might, who other teams might might see who's 7'6". And it's it's an intimidation factor. Yeah. Where Christ Kumaji, I think he's seven four, but I mean still, these, right. are, these are bigger than average kind of gentlemen. Um. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think Duke, they they won't have an issue really taking it to him. And Taco Fall, this is not a seven six guy with a lot of beef on him. So he has been known to kind of. There's some games where she doesn't bring the physicality, and. Uh, then there's his uh, free throw rate because, I mean, you want to talk about, remember Hack-A-Shack, you can uh, hack a Taco Tuesday again. Man, I wish they were playing <laughs> on Tuesday, but uh, because, because the, that joke made no sense. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, you, you see. Sounded good. It did. Um, so you, their free throw rate's incredible because teams are hacking Taco Fall. So his free throw rate's awesome. What does he shoot? Like, I need to actually look. Does he shoot like 40% or something? It's something. Less. What does he shoot? 36%. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding me? And that's a guy with a high. Javin free- is gonna have a field day down him. Oh, Javin, it's his dream come true. <laughs> you, when you're actually telling him, like, go in there, go in there and just hack away, Javin. I mean, he's like, that's what I do anyway. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so that's gonna be very, very interesting to on offense try to kind of get it into the paint against him. I think they're gonna get him in foul trouble right away if that happens, and it won't be the type of interesting matchup many think. I mean, because I mean. If you look at Taco Fall, just even a picture of him, then look at Zion. I feel like Zion might break him in half, and that that could be. Hey, you know, you never know. Taco might uh, he he might have a, he might decide. You know what? I'm just going to. I don't know if you can really decide to just be physical against Zion because when you're facing Zion, it's not really a choice. He's gonna kind of. It's Zion, but uh, yeah, you may want to do that, but then you see him in person. Yeah, and even if you try to be physical, it's still there's only so much you can do. So uh, yeah, UCF. I mean, I, another interesting thing about them is that they eight out of their twelve non-freshmen are transfers and red shirts. So it's kind of interesting how Johnny Dawkins has blended the roster together. I, th- I think it's also been at least ten years since they made the tournament. So it's just it's a re- it's a great achievement for him to. Uh, have made it. Um, let's see here. Is there any uh, stats? Uh, I mean, the possession length, they force you to play. I mean, this is what I'm saying about every damn team in this region 
is just yeah, slow, slow grinding. Yeah, so the Duke's going to have to work it around unless they can speed him up. And, I mean, when, when you have a, a guy like Taco Fall um, anchoring inside, and they do have another big guy, which I feel bad I'm not remembering his name, but they're, they give up a lot of offensive reba- rebounds as well. They're uh, 29.5% uh, ranked 237. A, a team with guys that big inside, it, that shouldn't happen. So, yeah, I, I mean, as far as how that matchup would go, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Duke would be pretty dominant anyway, but I just think it would be easier on the eyes to see VCU. But either way, I think I would disagree. Well, you did say the bottom half was – no, you did say the top half was more scary. I don't think it will be a problem for these first two rounds, but you never know. I mean, Coach K was asked how – somebody brought up Virginia, and he was just saying you just take it one game at a time. You don't assume anything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys, it's their first game, so I'm sure they're not going to be thinking back to, let's say, like, Iona last year and how that was pretty much a uh, – after the first couple minutes, that was a blowout because they haven't experienced it. So their first yeah. time experiencing the NCAA tournament, yeah, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, so come out and just treat it like Kentucky where you're just out for blood. So um, – and by the way, Iona – I, like, that sucks, man. To be a 16C two years in a row, you get Duke and then you get North Carolina. That sucks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so is there, is there anything else you got about uh, No, I really um, – the only team that I'm scared of in the top half is Virginia Tech. That, that's what I meant um, because, really, I think that Virginia Tech, with Justin Robinson back healthy, if he is back healthy, I think that they might be the second-best team you know, in the region. And it kind of sucks to have to play them in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, I pre- I predicted they would be uh, – I predicted them tied with Duke for number three um, in the preseason. But th- that was with Chris Clark, who was dismissed from the team just before mm, the season right. started. I, I, I th- he was going to be my sixth man of the year. He People forget how – how great he was in his role. And then Justin Robinson got hurt. So I thought it was a great job for them to still finish uh, fourth, but it's going to be interesting because that is, I wouldn't say in my backyard, but I'm from um, right outside DC in Baltimore now. And that game will be in DC, the DMV Javins from Virginia, but it's not technically the DMV. I forget exactly where he's from, but it's like two and a half hours away. It's not Northern Virginia, Justin Robinson, is from the DMV Manassas. So he's going to be bringing his pals. He's going to be bringing the support. Virginia Tech, obviously, they, I mean, they're not close, but they're a lot closer than Duke. So, yeah. and uh, DC, guess guess what? Guess where a lot of fans root for Who in DC? Maryland. So I think a lot of people are just used to just hating Duke because they are Maryland <laughs> fans. So they might come just to kind of scream at Duke. So it's going to be interesting. I think uh, somebody, if they know Quinn Cook, Tell Quinn Cook to call up a bunch of his DMV buddies and uh, I guess just kind of bring a packed Duke section because otherwise it, it's going to be interesting. It may actually be, I wouldn't say a Virginia Tech home game because they don't have exactly a widespread fan base, but they have a legit fan base and it's closer. So you never know. I still remember uh, 2006. I mean, that was, it was just one of the most insane atmospheres I've ever seen with George Mason that was when they uh, they beat uh, UConn. It, it was just one of the most unbelievable environments I've ever seen. So, uh, 
yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes there. But, uh, again, if anyone knows Quinn Cook, tell him to call up some of his uh, DMV buddies for that one. Yeah, hopefully Golden State has uh, some off days there next weekend. Yeah, well, if they don't, just call. Just tell him to call up his friends. Or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what's his name? Um, uh, for for uh, the Pacers, uh, Vic, Vic, Victor Oladipo. I mean, I hate to say it, he's injured. So maybe he can kind of come over because he has a big DMV influence also. So hey, all, the, all the DMVers come in, and uh, I don't know why he would care about Duke because he is from uh, <laughs> Indiana. But at the same time, come on in. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that could be interesting with uh, the possibility of Virginia Tech. We didn't mention, really, North Carolina Central, North Dakota State. I hate to do this. I don't really know what to say about them. I don't know about them. Do we need to mention them? We should, but I don't know what to say. But I just don't want to sound like I'm like looking past them, but in a way I kind of am. Um, so yeah, uh, all right. So so I guess any anything else from the region? St. Louis, they're just they're they're they're, they're a tough one to watch. Um, so I, I another one, defense first, and uh, yeah, um, Liberty is the defense first. Mississippi State, talked about them. Mississippi State and VCU are comparable. Then the other three are just kind of kind of a little slog the game now. Man, what, what an ugly top half of Duke's region besides yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I think I'd be surprised unless – I mean, that's where the chemistry comes in, becomes a factor with Justin Robinson. They have they, – they started out struggling without him, then they got used to him, and now all of a sudden he's back. So guys have to get used to roles without actually any – previous games in st louis that, that's not going to really allow much offensive rhythm unless you can really speed st louis up and st louis while they are, are pretty much inept on offense they they play good defense and uh sound french he's a he's a quality player so i don't know if virginia tech's going to be able to get any sort of rhythm but that's pretty much that that sums up my thoughts on the top half of the region and uh yeah you got anything else on that? Not on the top half, no. All right, so um, other stuff from the region. Um, Yale, that's a uh, that that's a pretty cool. Uh, Yale has they have talent. I think uh, Yale is not just what you think of as your typical Ivy League team. That was one of those games early in the season when Duke played them. Duke came out sluggish in the first half, like they damn near did every time, and then Zion. Um, he brought the energy, and they became the second-half team. So in the first half, Mieoni. Um, so he is a talented player. He's a pro. Maybe not in the NBA, maybe in Europe, but possibly the NBA. Either way, he is a, prof- a professional player. He had 10 in the first half versus Duke. He got his sec- He picked up his second foul at the end of the first half, and then like he picked up two more within the first couple minutes of the second half. And once he's out, that's, that's a done deal. So... Uh, yeah, but they, but if he can stay in, I think that's that that does hold uh, some potential for an upset. With um, let's see, I mean LSU, they love Tremont Waters. It's another one where it's tough because I had Jordan Sperber on uh, a couple times, and we talked about how ment like mental stuff. How does that affect stats? And it's just impossible to know. So not having Will Wade. I, it's just you, you don't know how or whether that will that'll affect the team. So it's, that's an interesting thing right there. The other game, Belmont slash Temple versus Maryland. 
everyone is picking Belmont. Most people are even picking Belmont over Maryland. So, the, but the Terps I do know about. The Terps are as talented as anyone. That I can't. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to whoever or lose the next round. But you know what? They have the talent to. They, they are the second most talented team in the other half of that region, along with Michigan State. So they have the talent to get there. So in those, uh, you wouldn't think Louisville was the second most talented team. No. No, 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 I think Maryland's much more talented. It's just Maryland's sloppy that their offense is just, I don't know what Turgeon's calling half the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Maryland against Belmont or Temple and LSU, yeah. What you got on that? So I think I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, LSU, they, they lost their first game in the SEC tournament after the news about Will Wade, I think. Uh, so that's really just a crapshoot. I mean, it's kind of – I don't know if Yale is going to be able to upset them. I know that Yale's got some players, uh, especially the Ivy League Player of the Year. Uh, but I don't know if there were – I mean, they could lose the first game. They could lose the second game. So I think from from those four teams, I'm going to have Maryland coming out of there. I don't necessarily know who Maryland's going to face, but that's who I'm going to go with just because LSU could lose at some point. I don't know how they're going to handle this situation. I also think they're kind of overseeded for – being a three seed, they, uh, I think 17 of their games that they won, um, or 17 of their games went to overtime, which is pretty crazy. So, um, I, I think really a couple bounces you know, the other way, um, LSU could definitely, you know, have a, a different kind of narrative to their season. So who knows? I can't necessarily project, how the team's going to react with, you know, without their coach, I can only assume it's going to be bad. Okay. So Louisville, Minnesota, going back to narratives, like, I don't know. It's so tough to think the NCAA didn't know exactly what they were doing with that because that, come on, man. I mean, like to have Patino face Louisville, that's too much. That's too much. I love it. I mean, to say that he's going to be there, right? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's almost like must see TV. Like, how could they face those two teams randomly? I just don't know how that would happen. So I think that's that is a uh, pretty funny right there. But anyway, um, yeah, Louisville. They basically they find a way to melt down. Um, they've lost eight of ten, two of four, two, and two of four of the win, of those wins are against Notre Dame. But I will say, context at the same time, two of those losses are to UVA. Two of those losses are to North Carolina. They lost to, and they lost to Cuse. So, and uh, so there was one bad loss at BC. But it's the way they lose these games. I think I went down nine of their 13 losses. They were up by at least uh, seven points in the second half, and a lot of them double digits. This has been going on for two seasons. It's not just this year where it's they weird. just blow leads. I mean, the game before Duke's comeback. I don't think many people realize they blew a 10-point lead against Syracuse with like eight minutes left. This is what they do. I mean, it started almost back when uh, – do you remember the Virginia game last year when Virginia came back against Louisville down four with like .5 seconds left by some like random act of like whatever? It was just – it was insane. The Louisville has managed to blow leads that you just wouldn't think are possible. And if you look at – different points in the second half this year again nine of 13 they were up by comfortable margins and they just they found ways to lose but uh yeah they they've blown a bunch of leads 
lately. So I, I don't know. But Minnesota, Minnesota, they've basically crapped themselves down the stretch as well. So I don't know. I mean, they have they have Jordan Matthews, Amir Coffey, and pretty much no one else. So that's just that's a pretty bad matchup right there of teams that are not doing so well. I mean, LSU. This is a re- I, I don't know. I mean. I think we're so used to kind of looking at the reason, trying to figure out why it's unfair to Duke. I'm not saying you, meaning you specifically, just or me specifically, get everyone. This is a Duke got a yes. There's Virginia Tech and there's and there's Michigan State. Besides that, I don't know, man. This is a pretty bracket, and especially the type of team they are not exciting teams, and that's why everyone's kind of looking for Belmont to shock the world and do something because there's just not really exciting teams going on. So I, I don't know. I mean, looking at looking at the rest, uh, you got Michigan State. You got uh, they're playing Bradley. I don't know anything about Bradley. I see them moving on. I don't see how Michigan State would have trouble with uh, the winner of Louisville, Minnesota. And I, the only thing I, I see is that uh, you know, Louisville, I mean, sorry, Michigan State, it really went all out in the Big Ten tournament, and they're having to turn around. I know these are college guys, so we, you know, off, but you know, it'll be five games in nine days for Michigan State. So, with a team that I don't think is all as talented as what Izzo has had in the past, I think they could get, you know, slip slip up here. I don't know who would be by if it's, you know, Minnesota, Louisville, or potentially Maryland. Now that we're talking about it, kind of raising some eyebrows to Maryland, but I mean that I will that narrative statistically it has kind of been proven wrong about teams that uh, play they they play all the games of their conference tournament and then go in. I think many think they're tired. I mean, there's obviously exceptions like well, like what was it Syracuse and they played that five overtime. Big East yeah. tournament game like that is extreme, but I think yeah, a I mean lot these are college them, kids. These are twenty year old. Yeah, they're gonna recover. Yeah, and it's just it's yeah. I mean they're gonna be playing every day. And it, like I, I don't know. I think it just statistically more than just opinions that has been proven wrong. So I understand what you mean. I think they are going to be fine. Michigan State, their biggest weakness last year, statistically they were unbelievable in everything there was except for two aspects. They turned it over, and they didn't turn you over. And that's why, even though they were better at every other team and everything, every game was close because they didn't get any free points. And that was fascinating. So I haven't honestly watched a lot of Michigan State. If Duke and Michigan State do advance to the second weekend for a possible Elite Eight meeting, obviously I'm going to look much more into Michigan State. Just looking real quick. Um... Wow, that's actually interesting. It's the same thing this year. It's not quite as uh, bad as last year, but uh, they uh, they basically turn it over the average. The, uh, the national average is 18.6% uh, turnover rate. They turn it over 18.7, so a tiny bit below. But they only turn other teams over 14.9. That is ranked 344 out of 353 teams. So they are just not getting free points they have to work hard for everything and uh the assist rate 68.2 percent that is number one in the country so they're really having to earn it i mean they have cassius winston's unbelievable he has to carry a huge load for them so besides besides him they really have to earn everything but it does help to get nick ward back because uh they hadn't had him and uh yeah he obviously 
makes a uh, huge difference. Was he? Yeah, he just came back for the conference tournament. So same thing as like Zion. Now he's got some legs under him. So not having him, they, that did affect everything. So now they got more of an inside presence. But still, it always worries me when you have to work so hard for points and and you're just not getting anything easier. And that's when Duke struggles when they have to work in that half court, which they're atrocious at. So uh, yeah, Michigan State. They are not Duke. They are not getting. They're not running off of non-turnovers. They're not running off of turnovers. So it's it's going to be interesting if uh, Duke matches up there. Certainly the narratives will fly around. You know, Kay's beaten Izzo 13 out of 14 times. I mean, that is freaking nuts. Um, and just, just, you know, it's January, February, Izzo, right? But uh, not against Kay, apparently. Um, yeah, Matt Norlander, he wrote an article uh, in 2017 when it was a – when it was 11 out of 12, and he called it the gorilla stat, with stats that are just kind of just extreme. So, yeah, that, um, you're exactly right. It's 13 out of 14. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a great mat- matchup. I'd certainly love to see it because that means that Duke will be in the Elite Eight. Um, and I certainly think that Cash Winston, although he's he's pretty awesome, I do think that he could be contained by uh, Duke's guards for sure. I mean, I think they're more athletic than Winston. Okay, so before we get to uh, some other stuff kind of around the uh, bracket, all right, so possible narrative if you decide to look at it as one. Coach K has been, Coach K's Duke team has been a number one seed 13 times. Four titles, two runner-ups, there's a semifinal appearance, there's an Elite Eight, five Sweet Sixteens. So they have made the Final Four seven out of 13 times. And uh, with the one Elite Eight appearance, 98, that kind of brutal, I don't want to call it a choke, but, I mean, Kentucky came back from a big deficit. That was a rough one. So out of the Sweet 16 losses, there's five. If I told you that four of those occurred against five seeds, does that make you more nervous against Virginia Tech? Possibly. I'm not one to believe in narratives, but I do think that the NCAA tournament is a a good place to utilize historical data because supposedly, you know, five seeds are like each other. So five seeds 10 years ago are around the same statistically, you know, as they are today. Right. And so you can kind of utilize some of that historical metric, um, and, you know, it's going to be a completely different matchup. It's going to be a completely different team. It will be the same coach as far as Coach K and the same seed. So, you know, depending on, you know, the outliers there, it may be something to listen to. All right. So uh, if I told you that Duke, they are the most favored team going into the NCAA tournament since the last time Duke won the title. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's no other way to go about it. I mean, I've been surprised at the the odds for for Duke because although everybody, I mean, 41% of apparently ESPN brackets have Duke winning it uh, this year, and I think that the gambling odds kind of re- reflect that. But in no way did they actually have a, you know an actual 41% chance of winning at all. Uh, it's so just you, not the way so the you, tournament so you, works. So you think that's a good correlation? I, I think it's I think anytime you're the a gambling favorite, you you want to be you want to be the favorite. Uh, that doesn't mean anything negative. 
Okay, because the the favorite in 2015 was Kentucky. So that just like basically explodes the narrative right there. So when Duke, when, they got hey, to the Final Four, right? Yeah. So I hey, if that's all you're looking for, you know what? You you can take your uh, ribbon. And, and walk away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting because everyone's all, all about that. And then you realize, like, they're the biggest favorite since they won the title, but they weren't the favorite that year. So I just – it's it's interesting, interesting how it's, like, yeah. create, create your own narrative there. I always find that funny because uh, it's, it's just different fans see things in different ways. Um, uh, here's a little quiz. If Duke would, wins it all, how many NCAA tournaments – how many NCAA tournament wins would Coach K have? It is a very oh, important number. I would not be asking this if it was like seventy. It would be. I would think he's he's in the the nineties right now, right? As far as know. wins, I don't know. In the way that you're saying important, would that be a hundred? That would be a hundred. Six he is at ninety four. Six wins would put him at one zero zero. So that's too beautiful. It's got to happen. Do you how? All right, here's the question: that, Do you think the players know that? I think they will know it. They probably, you know, I don't think that anybody bogs them down with that kind of stuff. Just because, you know, you could do that all day with your coach, and you know that puts pressure on the players. That you know takes their focus off of what they need to do. But when it comes down to it, you know, if they, if it, we they are in the final four, you know, that kind of stuff is going to be everywhere. Duke with the three-point shooting. It ain't pretty. Obviously, it's not pretty. So you look at their stats throughout the year. How much do you think it could affect it when you think about Florida State, Notre Dame, and Virginia? In those three games, all road games, they shot 34-64, And then when you just take from Texas Tech on, because that's when the schedule got – it wasn't just picking a random game and starting from there. It's when the schedule got consistently, uh, I will say, uh, legit. In the other – in the other, those, that's, that's 23 games. In the other 20 games, they are 120 for 478. That is 25.1%. And all, all in all, it's like around 30. And no team has advanced to the Final Four shooting 30% or about that – what they are, 30%. So is that something you would uh, you would consider to be legit in terms of how you think about uh, Duke's chances reaching the Final Four? Yeah, it's definitely something legit. I mean, it's been a legit concern of mine the entire season about their chances because when you are one-dimensional in the half court, it just makes teams, you know, uh, it makes you a lot easier to guard. Uh, I think another concerning thing is, and I don't have it pulled up, um, with their free throw percentage. I think it's pretty low, right? It's something like 69, 70% is what I maybe have seen. And um, it just it just sucks because, you know, even when they can convert and, and get to the line, they're not necessarily converting those opportunities. I mean, I really focus on the end of game, close games, because uh, I think it's been eight of them in the year. And six of them have been drastically affected by free throws. Gonzaga was actually on the other side where Gonzaga kind of crapped themselves, missing free right. throws. Virginia Tech was not affected. And um, what, what was the other one not affected? There was uh, Louisville was not affected. So 
you look at the others, I mean, you have Syracuse, or before that, you have Florida State. Trey missed the front end of a one-on-one um, with a couple minutes left. But more importantly, RJ, he missed that free throw with five seconds left. And obviously, nobody remembers it because Florida State fumbled it out of bounds. And then Cam Reddish hit the incredible game winner where they just, the, the defense was, yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but to miss. Same thing with the Carolina game in the tournament. R.J. Barrett missed both of the free throws. Yep, and um, with, with uh, Virginia, the first game in the second half, 11 for 22. Zion went 3 for 9. I mean, we think about that Syracuse game coming off Florida State where uh, they Trey was injured, they didn't have Cam. They had career highs from everybody pretty much. And, I mean, R.J. Barrett, he was shooting 50% in the second half. Then his legs died. He was, like, one for his last 18. Uh, Syracuse packed in their zone against Zion. But, you know what? Zion still missed a free throw with 15 seconds left. You never know if Syracuse would have scored. I mean, they didn't score off the missed free throw. But if he had made that, Duke would have had the lead with 15 seconds left. So that, that was vital. Wake Forest, R.J. missed his last five free throws. Um, in that game. And I mean, it's just when it keeps happening, then yeah, the sample size gets big enough as to what you were saying. I do have some in the Kempom era, which is Kempom array from 2002 on um, their free throw. If they win, their free throw percentage would be the second worst of the, of the Kempom era. Somehow. I don't understand. That was just a weird year to when UConn won it. UConn wasn't even a good team. They they had a 62% free throw percentage. That is awful. But um, yeah, so Duke's second, if they are to win, their 69% is would be second worst. Their three point field goal percentage would be the worst. Then you have their three point field goal percentage defense would be the third best um, behind actually Duke 2010 and Florida 2007. Their steal percentage would be fourth best. Uh, block percentage fifth best. Adjusted defensive efficiency, fourth best. The experience would be the the lowest experience of any champion, and their men's continuity one season to the next, also the lowest. So uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. They are a very different type of team, obviously, than most, especially when you consider we're in the era of basketball when it's pace and space, and everyone can shoot, like, no matter what position. And Duke, somehow no one can shoot. That's why I'm saying... Cam Reddish, the whole year, I've said from the from the season preview pot, he's the X factor. Bottom line, if he can consistently hit in a game, they're, Duke's unbeatable. They're winning the championship. He's only done that versus FSU, versus um, Florida State, and then uh, the first UNC game, but a lot of those occurred in garbage time. That's it. That's it. it like It's typically when he does get hot, it's for one half. And then falls off one way or the other. And it's just, if he can get consistent, it's such a difference maker. And that's why, like, at the end of Florida State, the ACC championship, he made that three-pointer and just his teammates went wild. And you could, like, it's the same way when it's in Cameron where you can feel the energy lift up. Everyone's rooting for him to do so well. And that's great to see because, I mean, just shooting-wise, it's not it hasn't been an easy year for him. And he's still contributed in many areas. His defense really aggressive. And he's one of the main reasons why Duke can push. It's not just Trey. It's Cam who helps Duke be able to push off everything. Having four guys who you don't have to find one outlet. It, 
doesn't have to be just Trey. You get that rebound, any of four dudes can bring the ball up themselves, and that saves time. I mean, something as simple as that. And with Duke's inept half-court offense, just Coach K's ability to um, to align this, the, uh, the half-court sets where RJ's able to get downhill going left to right, little things like that are huge because Duke is so, so awful at shooting. They are something like... 345 out of 353 teams in catch and shoot jumpers. And it's not some narrative or soft narrative. It's not random. They're not a good shooting team. It's just about time we accept that. And uh, it'll be great if Cam can get hot because, again, Duke will be unbeatable. But I think at this point, it's kind of hoping Duke has a third score rather than assuming uh, Cam will always be the third score, which was another reason it was nice to see uh, Trey. He had a big scoring second half versus Florida State. So, uh, yeah, Duke's stats, I mean, it, may, it makes for a really interesting kind of uh, perception of how Duke is going into the tournament. And I think people are avoiding the deficiencies of Duke because pretty much they, 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 they will speed you up and they will find ways to score on the break. And they will not play a lot of half-court um, offense and uh they also have Zion Williamson and other teams don't. A lot of great points there and uh, certainly some things to be concerned about, but you're right. It comes down to just being a, a, a better team as far as defense goes and then pushing in transition when you can and utilizing your athleticism and just going and getting buckets. Yeah, I mean, the athleticism is huge because, I mean, yeah, the teams, they, they communicate better than, than the recent young teams. They... Uh, they have improved on their switches and uh, their rotations on defense. Their transition defense is still too often. Uh, that's one another thing that Goldwire has been huge at uh, getting back in transition. But, uh, I mean, they basically cover up for still. They're not – they're making mistakes. It's just, as you said, the athleticism. They can make up for it. And that's just something it covers up. And everyone is going to say, oh, Duke, they communicate so well. They're so much they, – they, they're a team. They're brothers and everything. It's like, no, they're just, like, incredibly athletic. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm not trying to take anything away. They do communicate well. They do – it is kind of – they work together, symbiotic. But at the same time, the video doesn't lie. They're, they're just, like, blatantly missing switches and not rotating. And then all of a sudden – you see, like, Cam Reddish come flying in for a steal, or Zion Williamson block DeAndre Hunter from, like, across, like, the highway. And these are not plays that other teams can make. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, is it, so let, let's real quickly, other things um, in the bracket that maybe have our attention, um, just quick storylines then. We won't go over everything, just, like, maybe we can pick a Final Four uh, possible Final Four and winner if you want. But uh, in terms of other, maybe, let's see here, other yeah, some potential of those first, uh, first, Some of those first rounds of games I'm really looking forward to is Murray State and Marquette. Uh, seeing those two guys, Marcus Howard, John Morant, go at it, that's going to be probably one of the best games in the tournament, just plain and simple. Just enjoying the fun. The madness we know it's going to be. I think you mentioned it. You know, it's a it's a single elimination tournament. You know, that's why that uh, we we have Cinderellas, right? And so, you know, and you can't predict them. So, just enjoying that. 
Yeah, I mean, that game kind of reminds me of uh, last year, uh, Colin Sexton versus Justin Robinson with uh, Virginia Tech, yeah. Alabama first round. That game was wild. So th- this could be the same thing. But you know what, Marquette, they, they're so reliant on three-point shooting. And Murray State, their three-point defense is amazing. So I don't know. I mean, I thought Marquette was a bit over uh, – was, was seated a bit uh, generously. So we'll <clears> see <throat> how that goes. And John Moran is my lord and savior, who I was the first – to kind of be on that. I mean, not obviously the first, but uh, I was basically reaching out to every single, um, I do a lot of draft stuff. I was reaching out to everyone. No one cared. It was January of last year when nobody really was talking about him. I was saying he's going to be a superstar. And then all of a sudden now, John Moran is uh, the greatest thing since sliced bread. So you know what? That <laughs> is that is my bitterness speaking, but hey, I was there. But uh, let's see. Anything else we got? Uh, I, I was at UC Irvine. Um, they are they're a really impressive mid major. They're playing Kansas State. I was I mentioned Dean Wade before coming back. So they're uh, and I'm not sure he's totally healthy. So that might uh, affect things. New Mexico State's another fantastic mid major. Uh, they play Auburn. That's I think those are some kind of that along with Mississippi with Liberty, Mississippi State, Belmont um, over. Uh, possibly Maryland. Um, those are some of the more obvious, I would say, national possible predictions that are going around. I will also say just because, just because of the entire season, I've said Florida State has an equal chance of winning a national championship and go- and getting blown out in the first round. For that reason, I will say Vermont over FSU is a possibility. Wow. Just because I do not trust Florida State. I don't know who even plays for Vermont. I do not trust Florida State. But at the Anthony same time. Lamb. Huh? Anthony Lamb. He's actually really good for Vermont. Uh, there he's we go. he's he, the one guy. He's my favorite player. Um, I, <laughs> I've, 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 I've talked him up nonstop. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I mean, so Florida State, it's just about you never know. Although. They are they're more consistent lately. Cabin Jelly, he's the one guy that uh, I would say requires more scouting than other teams. But uh, you never know. It, I mean, it's great that they have so many weapons, I guess. But at the same time, it's tough because you don't know where the points are coming from if you're Florida State. And I don't know. It's just if you need a bucket, who are you going to? It's the same thing kind of like – I don't know. I don't know. It's just – I mean, That's a good point. I mean, they could – they could lose in the first round, or they could beat Gonzaga. You know. Yeah, I mean, hey, they uh, they have some experience uh, beating Gonzaga before. When Killian Tilly, all of a sudden, we found out he was gone, and then Florida State, they really didn't have much trouble last year. They beat what they beat him by like fifteen. So uh, like it's, that, it's yeah. very interesting. They stuck him in the same region again. Um, St. Mary's over Nova. I wouldn't be surprised about that. Old Dominion, I like them. I like them a lot. Um, Carson Edwards, I think he has a uh, his back's been giving him some issues, and uh, then just because as a Towson grad, I got to rep my CAA, Northeastern over Kansas. I said it first. Northeastern, who they have? I don't even. They have one guy. Um, he's pretty good. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, he, he's a shooter. You know, uh, the the fact that I'm like everyone knows I'm looking it up now pretty much makes my entire point about them insignificant. But I'm still saying Northeastern over Kansas. You heard it here first. All right. So um, besides that, um, is there any team you would say could maybe make a run more than uh, the second round, maybe even more than the Sweet 16? Yeah, I like UC Irvine. I mean, I don't think Oregon and Wisconsin, who would be their second round matchup, are really strong teams. 
And I, I, I like the team from what I see. I think I've only seen one of their games and some other highlights, but they seem to be pretty confident, like a deep team that has some dudes. So um, I'd, I'd love to see UC Irvine come out of that and then, you know, potentially play, what would it be, Villanova and Purdue. Um, so I, I like that upset pick. I know I've heard a couple people suggest the same kind of pick, which, you know, you don't necessarily want a trendy underdog, but some of the trendy underdogs are going to hit. So we'll see. I also like the Wofford and Seton Hall game. I'd love to see, uh, Wofford advance and Fletcher McGee. It, I think uh, he could uh, surpass the three point uh, three point makes ever for an NCAA um, Division One uh, in the tournament. So that that could be pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, although I will say Miles Powell, he's the type of he's the type of dude that can carry a team. Like he is, he's very he's underrated. He's very underrated nationally. Buffalo, Arizona State. If that, if uh, if, if Bobby Hurley wins his first four, that would be a, a fun up tempo game. And again, hey, the NCAA. I'm sure they have. They don't. They don't think about narratives, do they? With uh, yeah. with uh, Nate Oates getting his start with Bobby Hurley, that's not a narrative there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Luke Wensdorf, natural born skiller, uh, score skiller, uh, score. Remy Martin, great defender. Uh, Cheatham double double machine, but I mean Buffalo, they are just. I love them. I mean CJ. Yeah, Massenburg, I haven't seen their games, but I, I feel like they're really good, right? Yeah, you know, one, one of his first breakout games, I think it was his freshman year against Duke at Cameron, and uh, I mean he's been so kind of up and down, lacking consistency this year. He's really stayed consistent, and when he doesn't put up big numbers, it's just because that's not what the team needed at the time. I mean, I love Buffalo, and uh, yeah, I mean, pace and space, they're everything you'd want with that. Um, So, yeah, I I guess outside of that, um, you want want to give me, you, you can just go straight to Final Four. Obviously... This is just random. I think it's funny when uh, it's it's like expert picks um, for, yeah, for certain I'm not sites. An like no, no, but, but it doesn't matter. Like nobody, nobody's an expert yeah, yeah. when it when it comes to this type of stuff. Like right. and then, then you look at the expert picks and they're even telling you they're just like this is random. I mean, there's no expert picks for anything. I mean, you look at, at NFL, college football. Like when it's just one game, you don't know. Like it's obviously easier when it's like uh, the NBA when it's a best of seven and there's more of a sample size. I think it's very interesting when people say, oh, college, it's more exciting than the NBA. And you know what? What if the NBA was only, let's say, uh, the season was split in half, 41 games, and the playoff series were best of five? Yeah, obviously it would be more exciting. They'd even make it best of three. So that's not pro-college, negative college, pro-NBA, negative NBA. It's just very interesting the way that people, depending on what they already uh, kind of want to uh, push on others, it's just kind of confirmation bias in terms of how they look at it. But it's it's just a totally different game. I never like the college versus NBA kind of debate because it's a totally different type of game. But anyways, uh, so who... Who you got coming out of the East? I assume you're taking Liberty. Right. Yeah, I've got actually Liberty over um, 
No, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to take in Duke. Just I like the road, and I think if they can get past, I think we've already touched on it, but just if they can get past Virginia Tech, I think they've got a good chance of coming out of that region. All right. Um, yeah, I'll go with Duke. Uh, with uh, the West, Gonzaga's region. So here's where I don't know what to do. I've got Florida State and Gonzaga together, and I think that I want to take Florida State – to win the region. I don't want to be too like ACC biased, but uh, I don't want to have all one seats. So, and I don't like anybody from the bottom half of that bracket actually doing hey, it. At least you're damage. honest saying you're just doing it because you don't want all one seats. <laughs> you're not trying <laughs> to just make it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you well, like actually, you, you know what an interesting matchup would be, it would be floor. It would be Buffalo, Texas tech. I mean, you got pace and space. Versus That'd be a good game. Yeah. no space, no pace. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that would be interesting right there. Um, I mean, Jared Culver, he's been a stud the whole year. Michigan, when their offense is going, I mean, that's really interesting because John Beeline, he's always known as the offensive guy. And now this year, they can struggle at times on offense. Their defense is on point. Um, wow, that's, that's a really interesting – I'm also no. I mean Gonzaga. That uh, yeah. I mean all year I've loved them. There's no reason not to go with them. It's just it would just be trying to not go that with them. I mean I think many will look at their loss to St. Mary's and say, oh look, see I told you. I think that actually probably helps them because when you don't play a competitive game in a while, um, you can get a little lackadaisical. I'm not saying the St. Mary's didn't deserve to win that, but uh, I mean, Gonzaga is just such a, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's just beautiful basketball. I actually, after that Duke Gonzaga game, I, I kind of filmed a lot of stuff and I just watch it back the way the ball screen, the hell out of Duke. I haven't seen any other team do it like they did. I mean, they are just poetry in motion. And I think it was just an awful game against St. Mary's that pretty much that, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to just say screw that game, and I will take their resume over one game. So, yeah, Duke Gonzaga, 2-1 seeds, I'm good with it. So, uh, let's see. Um, whoops, I just lost the bracket. All right, so uh, next region, South. Virginia, are they going to so, be able to get out of the first round? <laughs> I, also, I mean, yeah, I, I think most know that uh, they, they've lost two out of three in Charlotte. So it's, at least they are, are not placed there. And, I, I mean, it's so stupid. They didn't have DeAndre Hunter last year. Nobody's willing to say that. That affected the entire thing. So as, as long as somebody doesn't get hurt, they, they're, they're not going to have trouble getting past the first round or Old Miss, Oklahoma. I know, I know nothing about either of those teams. So on Virginia with that, Kansas State, UC Irvine, Wisconsin, Oregon. My God, what is this? Yeah, I think Virginia's got a pretty easy road. Nova, St. Mary's, Purdue. Oh my God. Okay, Virginia's they're they're in the final four. Yeah, I think they've got a good chance this year at at kind of redemption tour, winning it all. I would say Cincinnati or Iowa might be able to give Tennessee a problem. I I agree. Iowa, I think they've kind of fallen off. I like them at the beginning of the year. Cincinnati. I just I love the way Mick Cronin just throws in crazy defenses all the time. Nobody has any idea what kind of defense he's running. He does that better than anyone. So I think he's the type who could kind of screw with the opponent 
um, especially on short rest or not short rest, but like not not much time to prepare for Tennessee. I think yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cincinnati make a run there. Um, so yeah, I'm going with Virginia though. Yeah, same. And uh, definitely see Cincinnati and Tennessee being a good game. Oh my Cincinnati God, I'm is super with, physical. Am, I'm doing it. I've never done this in my life. I'm going four number ones. <laughs> I don't want to, especially now that I've got three ACC teams. But uh, I don't know who to pick out of that South region, or I'm sorry, the Midwest uh, with Carolina and Kentucky. I, I just I haven't you even filled out that bracket. You know what's bracket. funny? My, pre, my preseason national championship was uh, North Carolina over Kentucky. I don't know about you, but I honestly would not be excited to play UNC again. I, I've heard that, and I don't understand it. Why? Just because they're uh, – they're, um, it's – they've got some older dudes, man. They're just uh, – you know, they've got – Oh, you're just talking about basketball-wise. Okay. I, like I've heard that people just like – they don't like – they, they oh, wouldn't yeah, just yeah. like to play them, and I'm just like, why? I don't get that. I've, no, I'm just talking about this year, just because of their their leaders being seniors and just the experience. Um, I don't know. I mean, it would be freaking awesome. I just may have had so many almost heart attacks for the two days in between. You know, I I remember I picked uh, I picked Duke in North Carolina to get to the final another year. <laughs> or yeah, to play each other in the final. Neither team even made the final four. That was uh, that was two thousand. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> that was two thousand eleven. So oh, you know what? I think actually uh, UNC lost to Kentucky that year. So that was funny. Yeah, I don't know who to take from that though. I mean, I think the the top seeds are really strong there. I don't really see. I don't necessarily want to pick UNC or Kentucky coming out of there, but I don't necessarily know who else I would feel confident in making a run out of that region. Iowa State, they're they're no joke, man. And you know what? Houston's no joke. Houston's really good, really good. See, they've that, only, you know, only lost three of the games Midwest, all season, right? That bottom, yeah, um, that bottom half of the Midwest is impressive. And, and Iowa State's been hot, um, so yeah, that's, that could be a, a really good game this Sweet 16, and you know potentially knocking off Kentucky while Carolina has a cakewalk into the Elite Eight. I mean, I guess Kansas isn't is nothing, but I mean they're just not that strong this year, I don't think. All right, so who are you going with out of the Midwest? I don't know. You're gonna make me pick. Um, might, might as well. I mean, if we're doing this <laughs> because this is this is vital. <laughs> I think I'd take Kentucky. All right, so we so uh, we 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 both chose Gonzaga, right? Or did no, we? I, I took Florida State. Okay, so you have uh, Duke, Florida State, Kentucky, and Virginia. I have all the number ones, um, which I've never <laughs> done. So that actually allows me to think I am being different. Um, all right, so I have. Duke Gonzaga, you have Duke Florida State. You can you can go first on that one. Rematch of the ACC championship. So I definitely think Duke advances here. I would have him advancing over Gonzaga. Um, kind of my philosophy here though is that because forty one percent are taking Duke to win it all, if I'm actually kind of playing to win a pool, I don't I don't take that team. Um, would probably have me taking Virginia in this kind of scenario over Duke, even though would never want that to happen. 
but I just think it maximizes your chances of of winning a pool. Uh, now, if it's for bragging rights, it's Duke all the way, baby. If it's just based on basketball, if it's just based on the team, on the two teams playing, I'm going Gonzaga because the only reason to go Duke would just be Zion is then they're going to find a way. But if I'm actually looking at it basketball-wise, Gonzaga would be the pick. Having said that, I still think Duke can find a way. But I'm making the pick just in terms of basketball terms while obviously wanting Duke to win. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going Gonzaga. Um, What do you think about that coaching matchup with Few and Kay? You know what? You're actually going to like my – I didn't even realize this. You know what uh, (laughs) – it's funny because I thought there were there was three teams that stood out above and beyond. I was incorrect in not believing Wisconsin in Wisconsin as much as I should in 2015. I thought it was Kentucky was the best. I thought mm-hmm. Gonzaga was the second best, and I thought Duke was the third best that year. And then because I thought Gonzaga was going to speed Duke up, and I didn't know if Duke would be able to continuously run with them. And Duke slowed them down to a crawl. And it was just when they did that, when they really played that, when they forced a slower tempo on Gonzaga and they were so efficient, that that immediately, like, I was like, you know what? They just, they can't lose from that. From now on, they, the, how with how well they looked, I remember Matt Jones was hitting huge, he had a couple huge mm-hmm. threes that game. And uh, yeah, so the, la- the last time those teams matched up, I predicted Gonzaga there. So maybe I'm just an in-the-closet Gonzaga fan. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Duke won the national championship. So, hey, maybe the same thing will happen. But to answer your specific question, that's a hell of a coaching matchup. For sure. All right, so what, what you got? You got uh, Virginia and uh, Kentucky. Yeah, so I've got Virginia over Kentucky and eventually beating Duke. Um, that'll be kind of how my bracket plays out. I know we didn't go over a lot of the specifics on how we're getting there and necessarily who's going to come out of the uh, Midwest, but I'm all probably going to take Virginia in all of my brackets. Wow, North Carolina and Virginia. Well, that's Gonzaga beats whoever. Um, Gonzaga's yeah, my if, champion. If they're beating um, Duke, then uh, yeah, I mean. Um, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess uh, I'll go Virginia. Yeah, that would be a yeah. hell of a game. Yeah, I think more. I think North Carolina would be a more fun uh, final to watch because uh, obviously more pace. But I think Virginia they have shown the ability to uh, slow down North Carolina and play at their own tempo. And uh, you slow down North Carolina, they still are very underrated in their efficiency in half court. But uh, especially, I mean, I've said many times they're the. I think they're the best shooting team under Roy, and uh, the, the only argument really is like the 2005 team. But they're they're fantastic passers, and they want to run, especially with the way Roy's designed everything ab- uh, around Kobe White. But they actually don't have to run. They just they they do all the time. And uh, Luke May, he's sacrificed his role a lot um, for uh, the benefit of the team. Cam Johnson. Incredibly efficient. 
Um, and I think the most underrated player on Carolina right now doesn't get nearly enough attention is Garrison Brooks with the, what he does on in transition and offensive rebound the glass. I mean, that is the just a perfect kind of glue guy for North Carolina. Um, but, I mean, Gonzaga, they just have they, – they don't have weaknesses. And, obviously, the last time anyone saw them, there was plenty of weaknesses. But, again, I'm willing to just call that an outlier. Yeah, true. All right. So It'll be fun. Is, is there anything else you want to kind of throw in, opinion, a, uh, a, a burning hot take about the NCAA tournament? Are you uh, – are you predicting a 16? Any 16s have a possibility of beating a one? NC Central with Lavelle Moton? No, I'm projecting complete chalk. Okay, I'm just saying, would any 16? What if you had to pick one to have more of a chance than the other? Huh. Than any other? What, what would it be? I mean, I'm gonna say Iona, maybe because I just want it to happen. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> they got crushed by Duke, you don't want them to get crushed again. That's fine. Yeah, that's that's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with them playing Carolina. Yeah, I don't see any way any of these 16s come close. But again, I don't really. I I since I live in Baltimore, I had seen UMBC and Jarris Lyles, and I knew I actually I tweeted out when this when the uh, when the bracket was released. I said if UMBC was going against any t- any one seed but Virginia, I would think they'd have a legit chance, and <laughs> then they beat Virginia. So uh, who, who knows? You never know what's going to happen. You almost caught it on the nose, but almost, almost. But uh, you know, you never know, and that's what makes this a good time. And uh, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a good time on this one. And, uh, yeah, Jordan, thanks so much for joining me. I'd love to have you again. And uh, it, it was, uh, was kind of cool just to go over everything, to get another opinion. And this is really af- after this pod. Then it's kind of down to the nitty-gritty with Duke. So if you want to come back and talk actual games, previews, players, then it's kind of less takes, more what is actually analysis and what is going on but this was this was a great time thanks so much for joining me again jordan yeah it was my pleasure chopping it up with you all right and duke fans you'll be hearing from me plenty over hopefully the next three weeks so i will be talking to